being back in the house of the Lord this evening on this Sunday evening. And I pray that uh, tonight that you are sensitive to that which the Lord will speak to us. I believe that he is wanting to challenge us as well as to equip us. And I'm so grateful that we are serving a God that is still choosing to use man at this time in history. Amen. And uh, today it's one thing for us to complain about the things that we see. It's another thing to stand up and do something about them. And I believe that there is a call to action within the body of Christ uh, that God is releasing. And uh, I firmly believe tonight that God is desiring to anoint men and women of all ages with a leadership anointing. Now, there's all different types of anointings, but there is an anointing that God brings and places upon men and women uh, to lead his people into the place that he has for them, as well as to bring about awakenings and revivals, if you will, at specific times throughout our history. And tonight we're going to continue where we left off last Sunday evening, and we're going to continue to talk to you tonight about godly leaders in an ungodly world. Uh, I was uh, enjoying myself last evening, but I felt like I better stop before I got to the end, so we're going to finish where we was at. So this is part two of part two of godly leaders in uh, an ungodly world. And if the Lord would help me tonight, I want to uh, talk to you about the qualities that set leaders apart from others uh, as we deal with the heart of a leader. Uh, how many knows that leadership is important? Amen. Paul addressed it in this manner. He, and I'll paraphrase. He, he said you have a majority or you have a, a vast number of instructors, but you have very few fathers. What he was simply saying is you have a lot of people that can tell you what you're to do and how to do, but you have very few people that's willing to roll up their sleeves and to lead you into the place that you need to be. And we find that when there is a lack of leadership, that there is a price to pay for that. And tonight, as a nation, and I don't say this lightly, but because of the vacuum that is present today in our nation, we can see that there is a deterioration very quickly in many things today that we could talk about. Because, as I said to you a few weeks ago, just because you have a position or a title does not mean that you're a leader. There's a lot of people that have titles and positions, but yet they are not anointed leaders. And tonight we're going to talk to you about the leaders that God uses. He doesn't use everybody. He would use anybody that will come and humble themselves at his feet and that will surrender. But when there is a refusal to surrender, then there is a disqualification that comes. You can be the most talented individual in the room and still God not choose you if your heart's not right. Man. 
Hook up the plow. Here we go. Everybody all right? Don't get nervous yet. I haven't even started. It'll be better than it was this morning, I promise. Last week we began with 1 Samuel chapter number 16. Let me paraphrase and run you up to where we need to be this morning. If you wasn't here last week, so you're, you're caught up where we are, you will find that the prophet Samuel is uh, having a conversation with the Lord, and the Lord asked him very plainly, how long are you going to mourn for Saul, seeing that I've rejected him? In the very first verse of chapter number 16, you find that the Lord says, I have already chosen someone in the house of Jesse. I want you to go, and I'll show you who he is, and I want you to anoint him. And most of us are familiar with that story. And as he gets there and he begins to prepare for this evening sacrifice, about verse number 7, you find that Jesse begins to bring his sons in front of the prophet and the Lord rejects all of them and we find that his first son comes before the prophet and the prophet is just human and he's looking and he's simply saying that uh, oh surely this is this is him he's got he's the right size he's got the right look he's got the right demeanor but the Lord made a statement and that statement can never be Forgotten, And it's in verse number 7, it said, The Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his statue, because I have refused him, for the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Now we find that after seven of Jesse's sons is paraded in front of the prophet, we find that he said, Is this all there is? And he said, No, there's one that's out in the field tending the sheep, and they bring him in, and... When he walks in, we find that the word of the Lord in verse number 12 of chapter 16 says to the prophet that arise and anoint him for this is who he is. The Lord was not looking on the outward part of David, but he was looking at the heart of David. And we know this, that Samuel took the horn of oil that he had and anointed him. And it says, and the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. There was an anointing that came upon David in that moment. Now, if you have your Bibles this evening, we're going to go to Psalm 78, and I'm going to give you three verses. Psalm 78, verse number 70 through verse number 72 is where we're going to really begin tonight. And we find that we read the following. He, talking about the Lord, says that he chose David also his servant and took him from the sheepfolds, from following the ewes great with young, he brought him to feed Jacob his people and Israel his inheritance. So he fed them according to the integrity of his heart, and he guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. Let me read verse 72 again. So he fed them according to the integrity of his heart, and he guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the privilege to stand and to teach this evening to your people. And Lord, I pray that I would decrease and you would increase. Let your anointing rest upon us where we would hear and receive that which you would have today. In Jesus' name, the church says, Amen. I've got just a little bit of a roar up here, Landon. If you could just bring me down a little bit, maybe. I appreciate it. We find in this passage that 
David, God's man, if you will, he fed them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness of his hand. We shared with you last week that in every age there is a time for a leader to step forward to meet the needs of the hour. There is no potential leader who does not have an opportunity to make a positive difference in society. However, we can look through history and we'll find that there's been times of lack of leadership and many times the reason for that is because there is a neglect of preparing the heart to serve others. The preparation of our heart cannot be overstated. You and I must understand today that when you began to look and we find that Paul, who we know as Saul, when you first are introduced to him in Acts chapter 9, he asked the two questions and he asked them in the right order. We dealt with that last week. He says, who are you, Lord? And then he continues to say, what would you have me to do? If you and I are going to be a godly leader, then those are the questions that we must ask and in that particular order. Who are you, Lord? We must first get that established. It's not a Bible story. He's not something that somebody else told you about per se, but you need to know who he is for yourself. And what would you have me to do? Not what you're doing through others, but what would you have me to do? And we find that there is a, an anointing of leadership that comes upon a man or a woman when they ask these two questions in the right order, when they respond correctly to them. We find that the leader God uses, he has a purpose in life. We've dealt with this last week. I just want to catch everybody up so we can get to where we need to be this evening. He has a great purpose in his life. In Philippians 3, 7 through 11, we know this, but what things were gained to me, I have now counted lost. Basically, Paul is saying, he said, there's a lot of things that had a lot of value to me previously, but once I had an encounter in Acts chapter 9 on the road to Damascus, everything changed. Once I began to know who Jesus was, everything that I thought was of value has no value at all. And he simply is saying this, I don't know anything outside of Christ. He said, I count everything that I had before all of the applause, all of the recognition, I count all of it as rubbish. None of it has any value. He said that I may gain Christ and be found in him. He understood that his life purpose was not what he was doing prior, but it was what God had revealed to him. We also know this, that a leader that God uses has by God's grace removed any hindrance from his life. Can, you, can I tell you today, the word of the Lord is very clear. And teaches us and tells us that we have to make the decision to put off the old man and to put on the new man. He could do that for us, but he makes us choose to do that. And therefore, that's why we understand that when you begin to read Hebrews chapter 12, where it simply says, let us lay aside every weight which does so easily beset us. Meaning this, we have to make a decision. I will not allow things to keep me from reaching the potential that God has for me. If I'm going to be a leader, I have to choose to lay some things off. It can't just pray, God, do it for me. Notice with me, we understand that when somebody begins to remove those things from their life, they begin to be a man that has character, a man of integrity. Notice with me, character communicates credibility. You can never be a leader unless you have character. 
You and I today need to understand that credibility is something that cannot be substituted with anything. Also, character, it harnesses respect. When you're a man or a woman of character, I didn't say when you was a character. I said when you're a man or a woman that has character, listen, you will have respect. Also, it earns trust. Can I tell you, if you are going to be a leader in the kingdom of God, people have to feel like that they can trust you. Not with some things, but with everything. Please hear me. However, in order to build strong character, leaders must choose to do this. You must choose to live a life of personal discipline. You also must be a person or an individual that is secure in their own personal identity. You don't try to be somebody else. You try to be who God called you to be. As well as you are a man or a woman that develops personal convictions and values and ethics it means this there is some things that cannot be named among you if you are going to be a leader in the kingdom of God doesn't matter that Joey's doing it Sally's doing it Fred's doing it don't matter but when God begins to deal with your heart and he begins to say I don't want that amongst you anymore then you have to make the choice am I going to be one that God can choose to use now we go on a little further a, God, a leader that God uses has placed himself absolutely at God's disposal. It means this, you no longer approach God with a preconceived ideal that you get to call all the shots. God, I want you to anoint me and I want to be used in your kingdom, but I'm only going to be available for A, B, and C. Don't you dare ask me to do D, E, and F. It doesn't work that way. Please hear me. If you're going to be a leader in the kingdom of God, you don't just try to say this is all that I'm available for. It doesn't work that way. Only when you totally surrender to God can you really be a leader in the kingdom of God. Now, it's one thing to be a follower. It's another thing to be a leader. I need you to understand with me today that we have to understand it's our responsibility to position ourselves to be that which God has called us to be. We can't get around Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, when it seems comfortable for you. I don't read that last part in there at all. But can I tell you, we have to understand that it is our reasonable service. You and I need to understand also a leader that God chooses you is the one that has learned how to prevail in prayer. Notice with me, there's victory in prayer. Having a lifestyle of prayer is not something that is grievous, but it is something that is enjoyable. Don't look at me like I'm strange today, can I tell you? I understand the flesh will kick against it. But if you ever get into the presence of God, you can never want to exit out of it. When you're in his presence, you desire, Lord, give me more, give me more, give me more. So the reason that we don't have such an appetite for the more of God is because we don't have a lot of people spending time in prayer. Listen, it's not about the length of prayer, but it's about understanding living a lifestyle of prayer. The Bible teaches us that the Paul writes, pray without ceasing. Let your mind be stayed up on the Lord. Do you realize you can be working and still be praying? You can still be doing your day-to-day task and still have your mind upon the heart of God. And those things are wonderful, but also there is a time that needs to be set apart, whether it be early in the morning, late at night, it doesn't matter to me, in the middle of the day. But there needs to be a time when the phone is off, all of the distractions is gone, and you say, you know what, it's just me and you. Because can I tell you, he is worthy of that type of attention. 
There is, and I shared this, and I don't want to reteach what I have the last little bit, but I think it's important that we find that there's three different kinds of prayer in Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 7 that all of us should understand. We find that we are to ask, we are to seek, and we are to knock. Uh, it says ask. Uh, the, that is the prayer of faith. Seeking is the prayer of dedication, and knocking is the prayer of intercession. Those are the people, the people that God, that learns how to prevail in prayer is leaders in the kingdom of God. If you don't get the prayer thing right, you're never going to effectively lead anyone else, let alone yourself. Fifthly, we find this as a student of God's word. You can never expect to be a leader in the kingdom of God if you don't know what his word is. That's why Paul simply told Timothy, study to show yourself approved. Listen, you and I today need to not, we don't have to be scholars of the word, but we have to be students of the word. But let me give you this little revelation. If you continue to be a student, you will end up becoming a scholar to a certain level. You don't need a certain degree or certificate from a particular university. But statistics show us that if you read about 50 books on one subject, you are the equivalent. If you attain it, you are the equivalent of having a doctor's degree in that particular thing. Listen, we should continue to stay in the word every day of our life. And as we continue to read it, notice this Bible is a living, breathing word, so it continues to bring revelation. Uh, and as you continue to go deeper with God, it continues to unveil even more. Can I tell you, he is always teaching us by and through the power of the Holy Spirit. But also, if you're going to be a leader in the kingdom of God, notice this, you must also have a, a message that is life-changing. You can never have a message that is life-changing unless, first of all, you've made the decision to be a student of the Word of God. We have nothing to say unless we have been alone with Him. It's all right. You're going to make it through this Sunday, I promise. Next Sunday will be better. We have a lot of people wanting to have a platform, but yet they're not willing to pay the price for the platform. Can, can you hear me this evening? Notice, notice with me. A student of God's word will have something to say. And it will not be about them, nor will it be about their kingdom, but it will always be a message that reflects on the kingdom of God. So if you're listening to somebody talking about how they're building their empire, uh, you, you, you better listen to somebody else. Because can I tell you, a real leader of God will always reflect back towards him. We're getting to where we need to be this evening. The leader God chooses you has faith that expects results. This is about where we began to speed up real quickly so we can try to get through. We didn't get through last week. But in Romans chapter 4, you read of a, an account talking about a man by the name of Abraham and his wife Sarah. Anybody remember them in your Bible? Notice what it says about faith. It says this, and not been weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead, nor the deadness of Sarah's womb, but he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, been fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. In the natural, it sure didn't look possible. It sure didn't look possible. In the natural, it looked like it was insanity. But here's an old gentleman saying, God said it, I believe it, so therefore I'm going to walk in that manner. He did not let anything cause him to waver. Therefore, we know this. Because of the faith that was present, we find that there was life that came forth from a womb 
that should have been dead by all accounts. Notice with me, this is the people that God uses, is a man or a woman that has a faith that expects results. I'm going to ask you the question, are you really expecting God to do what you're asking him to do at this season in your life? Or are you just hoping he might possibly could do what you're asking? You don't like that, I'll move on. Number eight. The person that God will choose to use in leadership chooses to serve in attitude and action. We talked about that a few moments last week, meaning this in Philippians 2 and 5 through verse 11, it tells us that we are to have the same mind that drove Jesus to lead in a serving attitude. Can I tell you that we are to have no reputation, but we are to do that which he did, made himself available to serve others. Which now brings me to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 13 through 16. I'm going to give you four more this evening. The leader that God chooses to use. And you say, why is this so important? Why are we talking about leadership? Can I tell you right now, there is getting ready. I sincerely believe this. Not just in this nation, but in nations across the globe. There is getting ready to be a great harvest of souls brought in. And we cannot have our local assemblies be filled. Please don't be offended by what I'm getting ready to say. We cannot have the local assembly filled with just those that want to sit and receive. We have to have men and women that is willing to put on the role of leadership for the kingdom of God because can I tell you that when you are in the hospital and you hear the cry of an infant for the very first time, if there was not leadership present in the room, that cry of life would turn to a cry of death very quickly into the doctrine continue in them for in doing this you will save both yourself and those who hear you the leader that God chooses to use is a man or a woman that stirs up the gifts in themselves and in others you have to understand tonight that if you and I are going to effectively lead, uh, we are going to have to learn that it is not always mountaintop experiences. But even in the midst of dark times, in the midst of uncertain times, uh, we got to reach down into our spirit by faith and stir up the gift that God has given us. That's what a leader does. Uh, and then you have to also begin to stir up that gift in others. Can I tell you, negativity uh, is your worst uh, enemy. When you get around other individuals that say, I just don't know if we're going to make it. I just don't know if we're going to make it. It begins to change the atmosphere in the room. But if somebody begins to stand up and say, we got this, we can do this, we can figure this out. Can I tell you, leadership begins to change the atmosphere. Uh, I'll get real spiritual with you for a moment. Uh, if you've watched uh, this movie several years ago, the Apollo 13, well, it's a good movie. It's, uh, it's one of my favorites, to be honest, and I'm not a real big movie guy. Uh, but there is a, uh, there's a, a scene in that where where this uh, everything is going wrong but the man on out in Houston is standing in the control room and all he's hearing is this we don't have this and we don't have that and we don't have this and we don't have that and all of a sudden he just silences the room and he says listen 
I don't want to hear what you don't have, but make me a list of what you do have. And because of that leadership, they was able to make a return home in a vessel that they did not have the ability to do so according to paper. Now listen to me. What happens is when leadership is present, even in the face of death, there can be life. Notice with me, you sometimes, in some of the most uncomfortable circumstances, got to figure out how to make a round peg fit in a square hole, right? That's called leadership. Now, not everything is going to go to flawless in ministry. Not everything is going to go flawless in your marriage. Not everything is going to go flawless in your workplace or in your business. But notice with me, when those difficult seasons come, if you're a man of God and a woman of God uh, that has the Spirit of God, uh, that's when you don't rely on your own ability and your own talent, but you reach down in there and you begin to stir up the gift. Uh, and can I tell you, the Holy Spirit uh, is able to equip you uh, with knowledge and understanding that's beyond your years uh, or beyond what you have learned in the natural, uh, and he can give you revelation. Because can I tell you, the enemy, uh, while he wants to destroy and bring death, uh, the spirit of the Lord that is upon you wants to bring life and peace uh, and he wants to propel you into a higher dimension. Uh, so can I tell you today, uh, what we need is men and women not to sit and say, I just don't know how we're going to make it through this one, preacher. Uh, but we need a man or a woman of God to stand and simply say this, uh, I don't understand it all, but I know this, that my God is more than able. Please hear me. You got to reach down there and stir that thing up. When the enemy says you can't, I'm telling you, God says you can. When the enemy says it's over, you're never going to get beyond it. We went too far. Uh, can I tell you, we are never too far. Uh, when somebody will put their faith and trust in God, uh, in a moment's notice, everything can be changed. You may be going through something tonight, right now, uh, and I'm not anything special, but I can tell you this, uh, that I'm a man that has learned that I've got to trust in God. Uh, and the thing is that you're in a place of godly leadership tonight. I don't say that braggingly, uh, but I can do nothing in myself, but I'm here to tell you where there's godly leadership, uh, there is an anointing, and when that anointing is present, you can speak to dark things, and it has to be broken. Uh, you don't have to continue to live as you are. Uh, the enemy says it's over, but God says it's just beginning. Trying to teach, not preach. God help me. Can I tell you today? You and I need to understand you got to stir up the gifts. And then next we find the leader that God will use is a man or a woman that is secure enough to empower others. John chapter 13. John chapter number 13. We find a very interesting story. We find a story that will bring us to a place where we can understand the significance of empowering others. John chapter number three, we find the following. John 13, I'm sorry, not John Cherry, John 13. I knew that didn't look right. There we go. John chapter 13, verse number 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, 
that he should depart out of this world unto the Father. Having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And supper been ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. And Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand and that he was come from God and went to God, he rose up from supper, laid aside his garments, and he took a towel and he girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, doest thou wash my feet? And Jesus answered and said unto him, Notice this, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. I want to read that again. What I do thou knowest not now. He said, What I'm doing at this moment you don't understand. You're not at that dimension yet, but thou shalt know it hereafter. He's saying, Once I wash your feet, you're going to have some understanding that you don't have before I wash your feet. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. And then Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Now, I could preach a whole message right there, but let me stay on track. In John 13, Jesus models a servant's heart. And when he washed the disciples' feet, notice what he was enabling him to do. This is a strong sense of security and identity that Jesus portrays. But it goes deeper than that. I want to give you this warning today. Leaders who are not secure in their identity in Christ will eventually sabotage their own leadership. Insecure leaders, please hear me, insecure leaders become their own worst enemy. Because, Ken, when you're insecure, you cannot share victories, nor can you share sorrows. Please do not be offended by what I'm getting ready to say. But the reason that we have witnessed in the United States of America over the last hundred years ministries be established and ministries die when the founder dies is because we had insecure leaders. They never understood this principle of being secure enough to empower others. They operated with a closed fist, and can I tell you this, never operated with a closed fist in anything you do. Because if you're not careful, you're teaching people, whether you realize it or not, how you operate. And you are either teaching someone to be a dictator or you're teaching them to be a leader. And if you are operating with closed fists and you're not secure enough to empower others, then really possibly what you're doing is you're raising up your assassin. But if you're secure enough and you have the heart of a godly leader, please hear me, you are probably raising up your replacement that God will anoint and favor and that which you labor will go to a higher height than what you can take it. I had a conversation with some people the other day and they said, man, our children are doing so good. They're doing better than we are. They're making more money than, they, than we are. They got, they, and I was like, that's wonderful. That means we did something right. I wouldn't be celebrating if my children were struggling. 
it means I did something wrong. I didn't teach them the right principles. But when I can look around and I can see that my children are excelling in every avenue of life, I need to celebrate that because I tell you, that tells me this, that I did something right. I did a little bit of leadership right. Listen, the same thing when it comes to the kingdom of God. You and I need to understand we have to make sure that we're secure enough to empower others. I want to give you a very clear distinction between secure leaders and insecure leaders. You ready for this? I'm going to give you a few real quick. I'm going to give you four. A secure leader focuses on the towel. An insecure leader focuses on a title. Jesus was not concerned about a title. He knew who he was. He knew he was the son of God. He knew he was in the will of the father. He knew he had an assignment. Can I ask you this question? Do you know that you're a child of God? Do you know that you've been anointed? Do you know that you have an assignment? If you can say yes to those three things, it don't matter what everybody else does. There's freedom in that. The secure also draws strength from their identity. The insecure draws strength from an image. I'm not interested in having an image tonight. It's hard to make a bald-headed guy look good anyway, so I'm not concerned about an image. A secure leader pursues service to others. An insecure leader pursues status with others. If you're looking for status, then you're not a godly leader. The secure wants to add value to others, while an insecure leader wants to gain value from others. I'm not standing before you tonight because I want anything from you. I'm standing before you tonight because I want you to be all that God has called you to be. I'm not concerned about the fact that I'm not the best preacher, I'm not the best teacher, I'm not the best singer. Those things don't bother me. I'm secure enough in knowing that when you're in the center of God's will, you're not in competition with anyone or anything. A true godly leader understands and should have a desire for the people that they are leading, that they should do everything in their power, please hear me, to bring somebody that is more anointed, more gifted, more qualified, and do whatever it takes to put them in front of the people because notice with, the, with me, if you put those high caliber people in front of you, it will make people have an appetite to be better. If you are a leader and you're just trying to bring people that you think are still in a development stage that, that is not even close and you feel threatened, well, I can bring this person because I know that they're not as gifted as what God has gifted me. Listen, you're totally off base. You should seek out the best, most qualified, anointed people to help you lead. John Maxwell says it this way. If you're the smartest person in your circle, get out of that circle and find another circle. You and I need to understand today. We should always be amongst people. There's a few preachers. Every time I go listen to them preach, I walk out of there and saying this, I either have to get better or I have to quit. I can't stay like I am. Do you understand? It's because I understand the godly principle of leadership. 
I'm secure enough to understand that, listen, if God anoints me, he can help me get better if I desire to be better. Let me move on. The leader that God chooses to use next is this. He lives under or she lives under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you, living under the anointing of the Holy Spirit is much different than living for the applause of man. If you're looking for the applause and the attaboys, you're not, you need to go try to be a leader in something else other than God's kingdom. But a leader that God uses in the kingdom lives under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 through 20, knows this, be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus. Here's what I want to say to you tonight. Anointed leaders possess spiritual authority. If you are a godly leader, you don't have to tell people that you're a leader. People just know. You don't have to walk around and talk in the third person and tell everybody that you're an apostle, you're a prophet, you're a preacher, you're a pastor, you're a teacher. Listen, if you have to always identify who you are and your title, then you're not real confident in who you are in Christ. Listen, your gift will make room for you. I've been doing this a long time, and I can tell you this. I have never been without a place to preach, and it's not because that I call and ask for a place to preach. I am busy as I want to be, and I could be busier if I wanted to be, but in all of the years that I've been doing this, I've never picked up the phone and called and asked somebody, can I come and preach for you? I've never had to do that. Can I tell you today, your giftings make room for you. And when you live with an anointing, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, there is a spiritual authority. And you and I today, there is no shortcut to this thing. But the only way you operate with the spiritual authority is if you become the student of the word, if you are secure enough to empower others, as we've been mentioning. But also anointed leaders consistently see God move in their ministries. If you are just seeing sporadic favor, you need to pause and self-examine and say, God, what is out of alignment in my life? I'm not talking about shouting every service. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about consistently when you look through your ministry or you look through the, the, whatever you're leading, whatever you're guiding, even in your own personal life, there should be a consistent thread that runs through that the favor of God is there. Consistently. Over the last several years, can I tell you, if I look at a graph in ministry from when we started pastoring, I do not have a graph that goes like this. I could show you that there has been a graph. It's been a steady increase. It's everything has increased from where we began, from people to finances to favor. The list goes on and on. Marcella has been my secretary even before I started. She was dad's secretary. She can tell you that even in the financial realm, it has been a steady climb and it's gotten better every year. Can I tell you the same thing with people, uh, even with the anointings and people. We find that even in ministry opportunities, not just here but abroad, everything continues to increase and I can take no credit for that. I only take credit for this understanding that we have to safeguard the anointing. Notice with me, not everything can be named amongst you, and therefore that's why there is leadership. Leaders consistently seek God move in their ministries, and also anointed leaders 
lives demand a supernatural explanation. Can't explain it. I can't explain why God has done what he's done. You ask me to give you five points on how to have a successful this or a successful that, you're asking the wrong person. I can't give you a formula. All I can tell you is to be faithful to God and watch God do the impossible. All you have to do, my formula is this, is just be a man or a woman that simply says yes when God asks. A yes to God changes everything. I'll be leaving tomorrow and I can't explain why someone that doesn't know me is giving us two vehicles to go to Belize that is worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. I I can't explain that. I can only tell you that it is supernatural. I can only tell you that God's ways is higher than our ways. His plans are bigger than our plans. And that's why it is called a walk of faith. And that's why I'm telling you tonight on a Sunday evening uh, that you, you, you may have this five-year plan, and there's nothing wrong with that, but are you willing to let God disrupt that five-year plan and be a godly leader that will propel others into a realm that they have never thought possible? There's some of you in this room said, well, I'd like to do something wonderful for God, but I just don't know. I'm just not gifted like others. I'm just not this like others. Listen, you don't need anything other than the anointing of the Holy Spirit to be on your life. And lastly, I'm going to give you tonight is this. The leader that God uses has chosen to be an example before he leads others. What do I mean by that? 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse number tw- uh, 24 through 27. Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, and this is what he says. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Isn't that profound? There's only one winner. Sorry about this culture we're in today. Not everybody wins. I remember Kyla running cross country. Everybody said, oh, you all did so good. And Tyler standing there on the sideline saying, if you didn't get first place, you didn't do good. You lost. He was such an encouragement. But he was so right. But everybody gets a trophy today. Listen, don't get sidetracked, Ron. Don't get sidetracked. Notice what Paul was saying. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run? but one receives the prize, run in such a way that you may obtain it. Don't settle for second place. Oh, it's getting quiet now. And everyone who competes for the prize is tempered in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. He goes on to say, therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I preach to others, I myself should become disqualified. Now, that's a message in a message right there, but Paul is simply saying, I, I run not with uncertainty, but I run knowing this, that I can obtain the prize. But also, he says, I don't just fight. I just don't beat the air. But he says, I have a focus. And I understand who my enemy is. And therefore, I'm continually pursuing. 
But he says, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. What he was saying is this. I have to bring myself into alignment with the word of God and I have to be the example. And that's why Paul could look at the church at Corinth and simply say this, as I follow Christ, follow me. He had confidence enough in knowing this, that God has anointed me with his spirit to be a leader for the kingdom. And while you may not fully understand what's going on, understand you can follow me because I have brought myself under subjection. And I'm not telling you to do something that I'm not doing. And this is one of the areas. And we recently preached a message on raising the standard. Anybody remember that? Talking about our marriage, talking about how we're parenting, talking about how we bring our physical body under control and subjection. Uh, notice with me, I, and I know uh, you all got nervous when, uh, when uh, Brother Robert started talking about health. I seen you all go like this on Thursday, and it's like, listen, I didn't talk to him. Uh, but the, real, the reality is this. Uh, you and I cannot be leaders unless, first of all, all we lead ourselves well I can stand here and tell you you should do a B and C but if I don't do a B and C and be that example for you I am very hypocritical in what I'm delivering to you please hear me leadership is important godly leaders in an ungodly world a charismatic personality may draw people but only integrity will keep them. I want to bring this to a close tonight with this reality. If you go back with me to John chapter number 13, Jesus was secure enough to sit down wrap a towel around him and kneel at the feet and he began to empower others notice when he became so secure in his role even though he knew that judas was getting ready to betray him even though he knew what lie before him he still laid off his garment wrapped a towel around him and he went and he got a basin of water and he began to lead by example and he was secure enough that in that moment he began to impart into men to lead the thing on that he had began I want to ask you the question tonight are you secure enough to empower others This is not about personal legacy. This is not about the attaboys of men. But it is about understanding that there is a generation that needs Jesus. And you and I, for such a time as this, has been chosen to be present and alive and You've heard me say this often. You look around, all of the old saints have done, gone on. And if you look in the mirror, we're fading, meaning we're becoming older. You know, it wasn't that long ago that I was a kid in the church playing with Hot Wheels. And now, I look around and 
the hot wheels are gone and the hair is gone the youth is almost gone and I'm like wow So whether I want to accept it or not, I look around and I realize that there's people looking at you and looking at me and they're saying, what do we do now, saint of God? I don't care how much dye you put on your head, you're still a white-haired saint. What do we do, saint? Do you understand this is a generation that's starving for leadership? heart of a leader do you have a heart to lead is the first question I seen a little post earlier and it said it was written on the side of a little street box and it simply said this just because I carry it well doesn't mean it's not heavy leadership is heavy somebody needs to be willing to carry it because while it has its heaviness to it it also has its rewards I can tell you this out of all of the things that I've got to experience and I'm so thankful for what I have experienced the thing that has brought me more joy than any any travel any message I've ever preached the thing that has given me the greatest joy and all of my years of ministry has been standing in front of an individual holding their hands, leading them to a personal experience with Jesus. That is what has fulfilled me more than anything. I've had people say, man, you did a great job. That was a great message. I appreciate those moments. But those moments are not what it's about. The moments that matter is when you understand I'm leading somebody into a place that they've not yet been. My friend Maso Ely made, has said this multiple times through the years. I've heard him say it. There was a group of people went passing by and a few minutes later an individual came and asked the guy that was at the gate and said, hey, have you saw a group of people come this way? I'm their leader. Please hear me. I'm not talking about being a dictator, not talking about being a hard taskmaster, but I'm talking about there needs to be a leader. Your family needs a leader. Your community needs a leader. Your nation needs a leader. The church needs leaders. But will you, will I choose to pick up the mantle of leadership in this hour? Is it that important, preacher? Yes, it is. Can I tell you tonight, where there is a lack of leadership, there is a breach in the wall, and the enemy can come in and out as he wills. And tonight we see too much activity of the kingdom of darkness even within the walls of the church because of the lack of leadership. There was a day 
in the church that the young people understood that they better have their act together because they had an awareness and there was a godly reverence and a godly fear because they knew if they did something wrong sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so they had been with God and they knew that somebody was going to be exposed there was a fear to sin because they knew somebody was going to be in tune with the Lord they viewed those individuals as leaders they had respect for them please hear me tonight we don't have to go backwards to go forward but we need to get back to some real principles of the faith where there's men and women that are godly leaders that are anointed that are loving like Jesus loves serving like Jesus serves and when we do that that is when God will begin to entrust us with a increase of harvest as we stand all over the house this evening I want to pray with you tonight I want to pray for you I firmly believe that even in this room tonight those that's joining us by way of internet God is calling many to be leaders in the kingdom now we can choose to disregard it and think it's not important but please hear me we have got to get back to where we understand leadership is needed greatly if we are going to touch a world and I'm not talking about just any leadership I'm talking about godly leadership becoming the example that God has called us to be our children at their youngest of age needs to see you exemplify the godly character that we find throughout the Word of God it takes a lifetime to build the character and the integrity but when we live our life we will live a lasting impact for the generation to follow us let us not repeat what Joshua and the priest of Joshua's day did after Joshua died and after all the priests died there arose a generation that did not know God nor the mighty works that he had done we are so close to losing the realization of the mighty works that God has done in this nation and that's why there has to be an arising and awakening of godly leadership because where there's godly leadership there's revival there's awakening there's a fresh outpouring of the anointing because that's the place that God can entrust those types of things to so it's not about your age tonight but it's about your heart reading a book currently right now that Charles Spurgeon wrote many years ago 
simply says that sometimes there's children, even while they're very young, that has an old heart. And I think that's so true. There's special anointings on men and women that by the time they're 10 and 12 years old, they can become godly leaders that impact. Do you realize tonight that when you walk in here on a Sunday morning and you see 40 or 50 kids running everywhere that you have no idea who that might be 20 years from now? It could be the next president of the United States. It could be the next missionary that turns the world upside down. If we don't develop them, the world will. If we don't teach them, the world will. What I'm saying today is this. In a culture where everybody simply says, I'll let the preacher do it, I'm too busy. And I don't say that because I'm preaching tonight. I'm going to tell you what, what happens right here is less than 10% of ministry, of PTC ministries. This is 10%, if 10%. Everything else is everywhere else. Much of it doesn't have a spotlight on it. Much of it has no recognition, but it's still needed. Somebody got to begin to lift their hands and say, God, you can count on me. You can count on me. I pray that's you. I pray that's me. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you tonight. Lord, I thank you for your precious people. I thank you, Lord, for the truths of your word. I thank you, Lord, for the, the times of challenge that you put before us to make us pause and self-examine. Lord, we are not looking for titles. We're not looking for applause. We're not looking for recognition of men. But, Lord, tonight we're looking for a people that's willing to grab a towel and a basin of water. Lord, that will willingly put on a mantle of godly leadership and will live out before a generation as you have taught us to. Lord, today our hearts are heavy because of the condition that we see, not just in our own nation, but around the globe. Lord, our hearts are grieved by the evil. Our hearts are grieved by the poverty. Our hearts are grieved by the disarray and the war and the smell of death. Our hearts are heavy tonight because of the passiveness that we see and because of the lack of leadership thereof. But today, Lord, I'm praying that there would be a spark, there would be an awakening, that there would be a, a stirring of the gifts inside of the men and women that's under the sound of our voice today where they would realize that you have gifted them, you have, you have given them talents and abilities, you've given them intellect, you have given them position in places of business and throughout the community. 
which is nothing more than a platform that you have ordained for them. And Lord, I pray that there would not be silence, but there would be a holy boldness for them to use that platform to be the leader, to be the example in the place that you have positioned them. Lord, also I pray that there would be an awakening and a reviving of leadership within the local church across this nation. Lord, I pray that there would once again begin to be a heart of the adults turned back to the children and the young people. Let us sense the urgency of developing and steering a generation into your presence. Lord, we're not concerned about a list of do's and don'ts tonight, but we're concerned about a generation that's dying lost prematurely because of the claws of the enemy that's shredding and ripping them from our arms even while they sit in our sanctuaries. Lord, raise up men that will learn how to prevail in prayer. Raise up women, Lord, that will begin to prevail in prayer. Let there be an appetite for your word once again. Let there be an awakening to the gifts and the callings. Let them not lay dormant in our lives. And Lord, I pray, I pray that the wind of revival would begin to blow upon this Whitewater Valley in a manner that we have heard prophesied about and preached about for years. Lord, I believe that the time is right. I believe it's your heart's desire, but Lord, I understand that there has to be leaders. And Lord, I pray that you would do the work in our hearts that needs to be done. I pray tonight, Lord, that we would not be satisfied with just going to your house and to hearing a message and singing a song while those things are important, but God, help us to be a men and women that have a passion to lead others into your presence. Oh God, I pray tonight that there would just begin to be a, a stirring within the heart of the people. Let them realize tonight that you never, you never want us to do anything other than to advance. Today, Lord, I pray for wisdom, direction, and guidance to be given to every man, woman, boy, or girl. Lord, we'll never cease to give you praise and glory for it. Today we pray. We pray that this would be a week of opportunity that's not missed, but an opportunity that's taken advantage of, where your men and your women would boldly lead others into your presence. So today, Lord, I pray for strength, I pray for guidance, I pray for direction to be given to every man, every woman, every boy, every girl. Go with us tonight as we leave this house, but not your presence. Lord, today bring us back in the middle of the week, ready to worship, ready to learn, willing to be developed into that which you're calling us to. We'll never cease to give you the praise and the glory for it. And the people of God say, Amen and Amen. Pastor Jade Abrams here. I just want to thank you for watching and joining with us today. We're so glad that you chose to be with us. We just encourage you to stay in contact with us. Click, follow, subscribe on all of our social media platforms to stay up to date what's happening here at PTC. We bless you in Jesus' name and we love you and so does God. Have a good day. And Amen.